bringing relevant and engaging insights to human resource and talent development professionals. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Here is your host, Diana Thomas. Welcome to another episode of Talent Champions. Today, my guest is Ariane Gasser. Ariane is an adjunct communication professor at Villanova University. She has her master's degree in strategic communication. She's also the product manager at Energage, a software company that helps companies build and sustain a strong culture. I love how we met. We met through LinkedIn. We exchanged messages and then emails, and then we talked on the phone a couple times. We've been resources to each other, and then she agreed to be my guest. So ours is a great story and hopefully inspires you to truly connect to those people on LinkedIn. You never know how you could help out each other. So welcome, Ariane. Great to have you as my guest. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great. And I invited you to talk about communicating as a strategic leader, which is a topic near and dear to me because I work with so many leaders who struggle in this area. So before we get yeah. into that content, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. So my purpose in my career has always been to help people communicate more effectively at work and particularly leaders, because I've also seen that leader struggle in this uh, area. So my passions are teaching and coaching and helping others. And so my jobs allow me to really live that purpose and apply my passion. So at Energage, we're on a mission to make the world a better place to work together, um, which is great. And I get to really take what I've learned in school and apply it to the work that we do. And then as an adjunct professor, I get to bring real world stories to students about communication and really help them learn and prepare for life after school when they're going to ultimately enter the workplace. So my career has really always focused on the employee experience. Um, Right after school, I worked for an internal communication consulting firm, and I spent a few years in the talent world as an executive search recruiter. And then today, I help HR leaders and executives take meaningful action and improve their workplaces through our different software products. Great. I love how you started just talking about your purpose. Um, I've been doing some work with purpose and, you know, studies showing that people that have a purpose live like seven years longer. We live in a blue zone in regards to these things that they've found and focus on. If you do, you'll live longer. And one of them is having a purpose. So I love how you just started about what your purpose is and then you brought in what your company's purpose is. So was that intentionally or is that just how you speak? So, um, A little bit of both, and it actually ties in really well with what we're talking about today because a lot of effective communication comes down to really understanding what your purpose is in that communication activity. So um, I'm glad you called that out because it really ties in well. Great. Well, you lived it. You rolled model it. So I've I've heard you say that what people don't say is just as important as what they do say. Um, so how do you see that playing out? Yeah, so I see it play out a lot of times when people make like internal announcements at organizations, but they leave out maybe some important information. And so when there's a void of information, people are going to scramble to fill, fill it in with their own stories and their own interpretations. And an example of how this can play out is if 
a manager, for example, announces to her team that a long tenured employee is leaving the organization, but doesn't really explain why, kind of glosses over it. Her employees are bound to interpret that to mean a variety of different things. Maybe he quit because he finally got tired of this place, or he must have been forced out by so-and-so, or like, I, you know, I hope I don't get let go next. So people react emotionally when they don't have information. Um, they may react out of fear or anger or sadness, and they tend to jump to conclusions that only make things worse. From a communication perspective, we're constantly interpreting the world around us and looking to make sense of the messages that others are sending. And as we all know, we don't always get that right. <laughs> and when you're not being strategic about communicating important messages, you're unintentionally setting the stage for misunderstanding to happen. Sometimes, though, there are things you can't share with people, and that's okay. Maybe that manager had some sensitive information that they couldn't share with their team. But saying things like, I'm unable to share this information for this reason, or simply, I don't know if that's the truth, or, you know, we don't yet know how this will affect our field teams or, you know, whatever, and we'll share more later. So even if you can't communicate something, it's better to acknowledge that you're leaving it out than just leaving it out. I love that. I think that's so important, especially when leaders are busy. And this is something I see when I'm coaching my executives is they sometimes are too busy to communicate. And like you said, if you're not communicating, people are making stuff up. And we have, we've seen it. The other thing, and we've all experienced it personally as well. And I love what you said is even if you're just being honest and say, I don't know, because that'll stop the stories. And that's mm -hmm. something I see leaders have a hard time saying they don't know, but it makes them so much more humble and they resonate with people that they're human too, because we, none of us know all the answers. Right. Cool. Yeah. It's comforting when you realize that leaders are human, right? <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing this survey that said the higher a person goes up in an organization, the less they have accessed and know the answers to everything. And I was like, wow, that's got to be a myth. That can't be true, you know, at, at a lower level. And then I was like, the higher I move up, it's like, oh, that is so true. Mm -hmm. well, well, you mentioned strategic communication. And I know your degree and your focus is a strategic communication. So what's the difference in regards to the way strategic, successful strategic leaders communicate? I answer the question all the time, what, what is strategic communication? Um, because it's, it was my major and people often don't understand what that means exactly. And so I'll kind of start there and then get to the aspect of how it applies to leaders. So strategic communication is uh, the practice of being intentional about how we communicate um, and who we communicate with and through what channels and when. So it's, and it's typically applied to some kind of overarching strategy that involves like ongoing buy-in from key audiences. So a well-known example that everyone's familiar with is public relations. So it's strategic communication in that it's an intentional approach to communicating with public audiences about either a person or, or a company or an organization. And so the goal of public relations is to have a strong reputation, uh, retain customers or acquire new ones. And you have to kind of have those clear messages for your audiences to understand in order to achieve those goals. And then strategic communication in the workplace 
it's intentional about the approach to communicating to internal audiences about the organization. So mission, vision, strategy, and really tying everything that the company does back to these things. And the goal there is to have a strong culture, high performance, and uh, business results that are consistently achieved. So when it comes to the leaders, unlike leaders who kind of leave themselves on autopilot when they talk, strategic leaders are hyper aware of the fact that they're in the spotlight and they're more likely to be scrutinized for their words and their tone and their behavior than other people at the company. So successful strategic leaders are different because they're thoughtful and intentional with both their words and their actions. Uh, They relentlessly seek opportunities to tie messages back to, you know, the mission, vision, and values like we talked about. And strategic leaders are fantastic storytellers. They can paint a picture of their vision in a way that's compelling and relevant and really meaningful to employees or customers or other stakeholders that they're interacting with. Wow, I love so much of what you just said in regards to defining what strategic leaders are doing, you know, being thoughtful, intentional, and tying back the messages. And I think that is such an important piece of being strategic and helping people um, know how to follow you and what what's important. So love that. And and I, I really like your comment about, you know, not leaving it to autopilot, because as somebody who mm-hmm. is a high extrovert, it is so easy sometimes for me when I'm not thinking about what I want to be saying to just, you know, think out loud and that yep. doesn't come across as succinct or as organized or as strategic at times. And that's something early on as a leader I had to learn that I needed to just stop, think through just even a couple seconds of what I want to say. And I would sound so much more aligned, strategic uh, than just starting to speak. So one of the things I talk about uh, to my leaders and, and in my book is know yourself because you need to know where your strengths are and, and play to those strengths and know where your opportunities are and make sure that you're thinking through and compensating for them as well. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like that too. I, I, I talk a lot faster than I think sometimes, but if we get in the habit of just thinking ahead before a particular meeting or um, kind of using the framework that, um, you know, I'll get into a little bit, it's going to help people just be more intentional because they have that in their mindset. Mm-hmm. I like what you said as far as being a fantastic storyteller. And I think about some of the best leaders that I've worked for, they had this ability just to bring people into, you know, what they were saying and describe things so that you got excited about it. How do you help somebody become a better storyteller? I think that in order to be a better storyteller, you really have to understand who the characters are and the role that they play. If you've ever read Donald Miller's um, Building a Story Brand, he talks about this a lot. And towards the end of the book, he's specifically about company culture and having a story brand in your culture. And knowing kind of who the hero is in that story and what their challenge is and what success looks like for them and bringing people along and painting that picture is going to make it a lot more clear than just saying, here's this announcement I need to make. Bye. (laughs) You know, so I think having an idea of how this whole change or whatever plays out and who it impacts is going to be critical. 
The other thing that's happening just across, it seems like all industries, is there's so much disruptive change going on and big initiatives that companies are trying to tackle. So how mm-hmm. can using strategic communications support some of these big change initiatives? So strategic communication, I would say, is the only way big change initiatives can be successful in organizations. It doesn't just support it. It is crucial and fundamental. So change initiatives often fail because leaders don't clearly communicate what people need to know. And when changes get going, leaders aren't aware of what's happening on the front lines. So how bought in employees are, what their concerns are, what's working and not working. And then leaders are less able to then course correct when it would be really critical to do so. So when an initiative fails, the company loses money and time and they have to try a new solution and Employees then are less likely to buy into the next organizational change and repeated failures over time cause employees to lose faith in the leader's decision-making abilities. This, you know, ultimately leads to disengagement and low productivity and turnover and the dreaded bad reviews on Glassdoor, which nobody wants. Right. So strategic communication really ensures that people have the information they need and creates a sense of shared understanding of the purpose of the change. And when employees know what's expected of them and believe in the purpose, or at least know what it is, um, they're going to be more likely to spend more time taking action on what they need to execute instead of crafting these elaborate stories with colleagues about what they think or what they believe about the change. Great information. And and so I think right now our, our listeners are probably bought into, yes, I want to be like that strategic leader and, and I want to do exactly what she just said. So maybe help break it down for our audience and, and maybe using your experiences. How do you coach a leader mm-hmm. on strategic communication planning to be intentional? Mm-hmm. So there are two main things and I'll kind of break down both of them. The first one is developing key messages. And the second one is carefully considering your audiences. So with developing key messages, there are three things that you really want to think about and and questions that you want to answer. So what are we doing is the first question. Uh, The second question is, why are we doing it? And the third question is, what does this mean for people? And so I'll back up. So what are we doing? What is the change? Name it. It should be short and sweet. No ambiguity. Don't use jargon. Don't use fancy words. Like employees just want to know what are we doing? Leaders typically get this. Um, it's not hard to really say what needs to be done. So it's just a matter of making sure that this is really clear. So an example of what are we doing would be, you know, we will expand our geographic reach by acquiring other companies. Clear language, short and sweet not a lot of ambiguity there for employees. Mm -hmm. So that's what. Then there's why are we doing it? And this is where I think we miss the opportunity to really have an impact on a culture. Because if you tie every change or every initiative or every project back to the mission of the company or the vision or what the company values, that is a chance to just be communicating and creating that culture that you want at that company. So an example, kind of building off of the example before, um, the why for building out geographic reach. So expanding our geographic reach will help us achieve our vision of serving customers in all 50 states. So 
it's saying this this is what we're doing and here's why because we want to achieve our vision and we want to serve customers and so that's something that's more compelling to um, employees than saying you know because it's just part of our business strategy or whatever so it just needs to be clear and then the third part the third type of key message is what does this mean for people and so this is where you really need to be clear on what you want the people you're communicating with to know or to do or to feel going forward. So back to that example, you could say, this means that there is going to be a lot of change as we acquire other companies, you'll have new colleagues, and together we'll be finding new ways to work together to serve customers. So when you hear about a new change, your first reaction is going to be, how does this affect me? Mm-hmm. What do I need to do? Am I going to play a role in this? And when leaders don't communicate that to employees, those fear reactions are going to kick in or the anger. So clearly answering what does this mean for people is just critical. So what are we doing? Why are we doing it? And what does it mean? I love that. And I think leaders sometimes will do the what, and there's been so much focus on the why, explain the why, but what does it mean for the people? I think that's a piece that's overlooked, but so critical and important. So I love this information. Thank you. Absolutely. And so that, and that leads to the second thing. So the first was developing key messages. The second is to carefully consider your audiences. So if you think about all the aspects of an employee's experience at work, um, you know, think about their job and the work that they do. How is this going to impact that in their day to day? Because they're thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, how might this impact their relationship with their manager or other managers? How is this going to impact their relationship with their team or other people at the company or how they interact with customers? And then bro- more broadly, how is this going to impact their perception of the organization or of the leadership team? Is it going to build confidence? Is it going to lessen confidence? You know, just getting an idea and trying to start getting into the head of the people you're communicating with, especially employees, is going to really help you make sure that you're taking into consideration how they're going to receive your message, not just how you're going to create the message. One of the things I coach my leaders on is really thinking through the consequences of your decisions, and that comes through in how you communicate. So I love that piece of thinking through your audience and how will they receive this message, and that might help you clear it up, or like you said earlier, is you know making it clear, short, sweet, and no ambiguity. If you can do that, I think that would be a huge start. So, Absolutely, and also remembering that every audience is going to be different. So something you would communicate to your board of directors is going to be a very different message than you're going to communicate back out to your employees because they have different concerns and different fears and different needs. So um, it's also helpful to break down by audience as well. Great. Well, you mentioned about communication helping to kind of impact or build culture. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. I think this is super important and really kind of why I do what I do. So um, I'll get a little nerdy for a second and go back to my organizational communication theory course. Organizational culture is constantly created and recreated through communication. So the way we uh, talk to each other, uh, the way we carry ourselves at work, what time we show up, what time we leave, 
the different meeting rituals we have. Um, these and countless other things are just kind of forms of behavior and communication that make up culture. And that's constantly happening. It's constantly changing. So if you think about everything we say and do, and again, everything we don't say and don't do, is contributing to the culture. And so that means we have the power to co-create the type of culture that we want to have at work. So even though we're all part of co-creating that culture at work, we know, and I've heard you talk about in past episodes, is that culture change starts at the top. Mm -hmm. So if we really want to build a culture that attracts and retains talent, leaders in particular need to be relentlessly intentional about their communication. Can you give us an example of just how this comes to life in your organization or how you've been able to influence based on where you are in the organization to help create this culture or coach leaders to, to better lead to create the, the culture that they really want that'll drive the right results? Our company surveys thousands of employees on engagement and different culture drivers. And one of the statements that's on our survey is senior managers understand what's really happening here. I have an example of a customer who scored very low on this statement. And so their employees really feel like their leaders are out of touch with the way things are. And so what we've encouraged them to do is really seek more feedback from employees and then publicly acknowledge that type of thing in a way that lets them come out and say and be kind of humble, like you were saying before, um, we learned this, we didn't know this, thank you so much for sharing, and here's what we're going to do with this information, or here's why we can't change this particular thing that we got feedback about. So by bringing those types of things out and saying, okay, we're going to be intentional about communicating what we've learned from you on your survey um, is going to help start to build that culture of better leadership, demonstrating uh, solid communication skills. That's a great example. And I think there's so many times that leaders want to respond and improve sections of a 360, you know, survey. And that that shows Mm -hmm. the leader really cares, but they don't always know how to do it. So I think you just outlined a great way for leaders, even if they're okay with the results, but they want them to be better, a strategic way to actually use that feedback, engage with the uh, customers, internal customers, their employees, and make things better. That's wonderful. I love that example. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the biggest pitfalls or mistakes that you see people making when it comes to communication? Yeah, so the one I just talked about with, you know, that perception that senior leaders don't understand what's really happening comes up a lot with the different customers that we survey and work with. And so, you know, despite some of the best efforts leaders make, there is often this perception that they're completely unaware of things that are going on in the front lines. And sometimes that's actually true. (laughs) Other times, they just haven't really made the effort to be strategic in the way they communicate with employees like we've been talking about. In that situation, key decision makers are not in the loop. And there are things that they don't know, but likely should know, but employees aren't communicating that to them, or they don't feel comfortable, or they just perceive leaders are too out of touch. And then employees don't feel heard and become disengaged. And then we have turnover and all of that. And, you know, when leaders then try to communicate, the messages don't land. 
and the change initiatives don't stick because people are perceiving it as tone deaf or inauthentic. Mm-hmm. So in order to kind of avoid this pitfall or, or make up for it if it's already happened is to really promote dialogue and solicit feedback from employees, like in that example. So acknowledge the feedback, say thanks for the feedback and take some type of action. And then just as a general practice, try to talk to employees like equals and try to be on the same level as them and avoid selling to them. I think sometimes leaders unintentionally come across as talking down to employees and it feels like they're trying to convince them of something and employees see right through that. And employees just want to be talked to like adults, like colleagues. And so really thinking about that kind of tone and that approach is going to help employees perceive you as knowing what's going on and being a part of what's happening. So that all is about being authentic. So thanking people, acknowledging mistakes that have happened, and then, you know, apologizing sincerely if if that's appropriate. Thinking and apologizing and staying in touch with employees. What great, great advice to stay humble. I love how you said that too, is talk to employees as if they're your equal adults, because I think sometimes leaders think that they have to come across knowing all the answers and, you know, right. getting people on board. And sometimes just to say, I don't know, and let's have a discussion about it is is exactly. is a great place to start. Yeah, it's like they're putting the pressure on themselves when they don't have to. Um, Employees do understand that leaders are human and that humanity actually makes them more accessible and more relatable for employees. Yeah. I also think that something you brought up is such a huge opportunity for for leaders at all levels, especially as you go up higher and higher in the organization, is, you know, your ability to stay in touch with the frontline employees and know what's going on will make you more authentic and will make you more humble, more realistic, will help others want to follow you. But that's challenging when you've got so much going on. You know, what what do you teach? your students or what are you doing to help your leaders and for you as a leader to stay in touch with those frontline employees? Do you have any tips? Yeah. So we actually have a software product that is designed around creating this channel for employees to be able to access leadership and kind of bring potential concerns to them in a way that's safe and confidential. And so that's our product called Energage Connect. And so it's a way that they can use technology to create this channel for people to talk to leadership in a way that feels safe. And hopefully then when the leader acknowledges that type of feedback, similar to acknowledging the survey results, and they come out and say, hey, we learned this, thanks to whoever shared that, here's what we're going to do about it. That's demonstrating like, hey, they actually want to hear this kind of stuff. And hope, hope, we hope that that builds the confidence in the employees to then maybe say, Um, you know, I can approach the leader myself, or I can talk to my own manager who can bring it up the chain. So I guess that's more on um, the employees doing that. Uh, From a leadership perspective, I think, again, just demonstrating that you're listening and demonstrating that you care about what others have to share. As leaders, you need to demonstrate that you are listening. And I think um, listening, actively listening, is an opportunity for for many of us, for many leaders. So can Mm -hmm. you give us some tips on, you know, you mentioned a few, but maybe just to highlight, if you want to be a strong listener, you need to be doing what? 
one thing that you can do that I see leaders sometimes miss the opportunity to do is to be fully present. Um, leaders are very busy and have a lot of things going on. So there's often a laptop open or a phone um, nearby beeping and lighting up. And when leaders are distracted by these things, people perceive that this person doesn't care enough about me. They're not listening. It's not important enough. And they're going to be less likely to share. So when you're getting feedback in the moment, be fully present, make eye contact, nod, ask questions, just be involved in the conversation and fully present with them. And then at the end, when they've finished talking and finished sharing and you've asked questions, take a moment to really summarize and say, well, here's what I heard you say. And did I get that right? Or am I missing anything? And then that gives that person the opportunity to see and hear that you've heard them and you're acknowledging what they've said. And so you're not only listening, but you're demonstrating that you're listening. And that's sometimes more important. To be a strong strategic communicator, you have to be a strong listener. They don't, they, they go hand in hand. You can't do one without the other. 100%. They absolutely go together. And you can come up with the best stories and the best messages, but if you are just doing that one way and not looking for how that lands or how that impacts people or what people are saying back to you and you're not listening, it's, your best efforts will go to waste. Great insights. And I'm going to tell our listeners right now, we will make sure that we put, you know, the top 10 list of some of the key things that you covered on uh, the website. People that are trying to take notes right now, rest assured, you'll have some uh, information that you can access to make it easier to uh, uh, absorb and to be able to apply these great points that you're sharing. So wonderful. So who has had a great impact on your personal life? And why wouldn't you be where you are today without that person's influence? I, I just want to say that I love that you asked this question on your podcast. And I love hearing people's answers to it because I just think it's so important that we value and celebrate relationships because they're just so important to everything that we do. So to answer your question, the first person I think of is, my mentor um, that I met the summer before my junior year of undergrad when I was at Kent State in Ohio. And her name's Debbie Sin, and she's a communication skills consultant, also a fellow alum of Kent State. We met through one of my professors who loved to connect students with alumni of the communication program there. I was an organizational communication major at the time, but I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do with it just yet. It's not like you know, you study engineering, you become an engineer, and obviously it's not that straightforward, but um, everyone's always like, what do you do with a communication degree? And so Deb was the first person I met who had a clear application of this degree, and I just was fascinated to learn about what she did. So when we met, she had had over 20 years of experience as an independent contractor, and she would deliver these communication skills training courses um, and workshops at a variety of different companies. And she had this huge network of people who just absolutely loved her and her work. We met for lunch and I just wanted to learn like, what's your job like? What do you like about it? And if I wanted to do that someday, what's your advice? And she said, you know, get your master's degree, go work for firms that do this type of work for a few years before going out alone. And so with her suggestion and then later encouragement from some of my professors, 
I did end up going to get my master's degree in communication and then really was able to follow this path into doing meaningful work around helping companies and employees communicate better. And so she and I have stayed in touch. And whenever I go back to Ohio to visit my family, we catch up over coffee and share workplace stories. And I get to hear about her workshops and all of that. And so I've just always been thankful and always will be thankful for her mentorship and her friendship. That's great. You know, having a mentor that uh, is honest with you, that will give you that kind of advice is terrific advice. But I think, you know, Mm -hmm. for you, and as I've gotten to know you is you ask great questions, and you ask people for their advice, and you ask people for help. And I, I don't always see people doing that. I think people, especially as I'm coaching individuals, they'll say, well, I'd love for that person to mentor me, but they're too busy, or I can't ask them that. And I always say to them, ask, you know, they can say no. But most times, I mean, mentors, when you're asked, are flattered and want to help other people succeed. Yeah, I've always just taken the approach that you learn more from asking questions than you do from answering questions. And I tell my students that all the time, especially when I teach interviewing, is that you really need to make sure you're asking the right question framed in the right way to the right people in order to kind of build that relationship and and learn from them. So I'm all about um, asking questions. So thank you for saying that. Well, what final piece of advice do you have for our talent champions? I know this can seem like a lot with um, having this whole communication plan and strategy, but you really don't have to implement this robust strategic communication plan in order to have an impact on your organization. While that would be amazing, of course, it's not always feasible. Start with that simple framework of what is this? Why are we pursuing this? And what will this mean for people? And just starting there can create, just start to create a powerful shift in the way that you kind of build that shared meaning internally within the company. And regardless of what your role is, you can start doing this today. So in your next meeting, when you're trying to make a decision about something or making a plan about something, you can start to ask those questions. So, you know, what is this? Let's be clear on what this is. And, you know, what would we say our reason for this is and how do we want to really make that clear and who is this going to impact and and what does it mean for them and what are we expecting from them? So just having those questions in your toolbox that you can bring to meetings and get others to contribute and really, you know, agree on some of those key messages together, you can start to share that story within the organization and share it with those who need to hear it until it really sticks. Great advice. And and everybody can do that, whether or not you're leading people or not, just your just exactly. one-on-one communication. Start with that simple f- framework and, you know, start nailing it as you're doing one-on-one and then you'll be able to use it and be even more confident and more effective at using it at a higher level. So great advice. You've shared so many wonderful things. How can our listeners get in touch with you and continue to learn more? As you know, I am all about LinkedIn. (laughs) So um, people can absolutely send me a request on there. And, you know, the message feature on there works great. Or you can find my email. Once we're connected, you can see my contact information. And I'm always happy to connect with others who share similar purposes and passions about employee experience at work. So definitely welcome that. 
Ariane, it's been a pleasure having you as a guest. So much wonderful information. We'll make sure that we attach some reference sheets that highlight some of the key things that you talked about because you shared so many wonderful stories and wonderful uh, pieces of advice. So thank you so much for being our guest. It was such a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Diana. It's been great to be on. Thank you so much. Join us for our next episode when I'll be talking with Kristen Ribeiro who leads marketing at Handshake, a rising disruptor in the recruiting space. Kristen has new insights about not only finding talent in a tight market, but also how to create a brand that showcases what your organization has to offer. To receive an email notification when this episode is released, visit talent-champions.com and click on subscribe. That's talent-champions.com to receive an email notification and bonus content directly from our guest. Thank you and have a great week. Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. For more information about today's show or to receive more valuable insights, please visit franklincovey.com slash talent champions. If you've enjoyed this podcast, check out Franklin Covey's other podcast, Great Life, Great Career with Scott Miller and Franklin Covey on Leadership, available from your favorite podcast provider. <laughs>